0: Welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta. We continue our conversation on this first hour with Peggy Stanton. Peggy is no stranger to this program. She is a regular guest. She opens up the catechism for us for this Sunday's reading. The Sunday, Jesus tells us that the parable in which a lazy and dishonest steward is facing termination. So he settles his master's accounts by negotiating a reduced balance for his debt test. What is the meaning for this parable today? What does the catechism have to tell us about this particular reading? Peggy is the author of From the White House to the White Cross. It's a brilliant read. It is a reflective work of her life. She jokes that it took her over 30 years to write it. She's the Dame of the Order of Malta. She was ABC News' first female Washington correspondent, and she's hot- hosted many programs on Ave Maria Radio, including the most recent one, The Malta Minute with the Catechism. My own program, Unveiling the Covenants, takes over her regular slotted segment on weekends. And her first book was The Daniel Dilemma The Moral Man in the Public Arena. Peggy, how are you doing today?
1: very well
0: marcus how are you doing i'm very well it was such an honor to be on the air with you yesterday and it was today so again fun.
1: it was fun yes and, and we got we have an encore performance <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right we do and you know it's amazing i went home and i told my bride how you laughed at my joke and the funny thing was my bride was listening in at that time and she oh, rolled her she? eyes
1: <laughs> oh that's cute yeah, it's funny how you sometimes uh, tune in just at the right moment. That's you know? right. That's right. You're not expecting what comes out, but it comes out as something very pertinent to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, Peggy, shall we begin with reading the gospel, and then let's talk. Let's have you share with us what the catechism tells us about this parable.
1: Okay. Will you read it for us, Marcus?
0: Absolutely. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. This is taken from chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. Then Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from my stewardship, that, they may, uh, that other people may welcome me into their households. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? And he replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. And he said to him, Here's your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another he said, And how much do you owe? And he replied, One hundred cores of wheat. And he said to him, Here's your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward, steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, literally mammon, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in small matters is also trustworthy in great ones, and the person who is dishonest in small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, Who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. This is a sobering reading. (laughs) Really, really it's
1: very, well, as Magnificat said, it's one of the most perplexing. Uh, gospels to to unwind what do you think
0: oh, I completely agree it 's one of the strangest parables <laughs> that Jesus yeah. ever told because it seems on from the outset that Jesus is condoning dishonesty
1: yeah, I know I know that, that, so i what I did was i i um, of course we the first thing we look at is what the Catechism says mm-hmm. and then uh if 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 i don't get enough out of that i will start looking elsewhere and i i <laughs> uh well usually it's very more than adequate in the catechism but uh sometimes uh it, it maybe it's above my pay, pay grade <laughs> <laughs> so i so i go for a more uh down to earth uh commentary so what the um Didache Bible, which is bases its commentary on the catechism, this is way, the way they comment on it. It says, The unjust steward in this parable was lazy and dishonest, but when faced with termination, he settled many of his master's accounts by negotiating a reduced balance with those who owed his master money. This impressed the master, not because it compensated for the poor work his steward had previously done, because it showed a resourceful canniness toward provisional advantages shortly to be lost. Christ told this story to remind his disciples that their material advantages would likewise be taken away by death, so they must use their earthly goods in the way most advantageous for their situation after death. That is in the way that would lead to their salvation, and and then it brings out the point that a steward is a you know a high-ranking servant who managed an estate, but uh, he is not the owner. Mm-hmm. And so, just that we Christians are called to be God's stewards of His creations, and 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 we are mere stewards; we are not owners. Um, and the catechism has some citations that you may say, well, it's a bit obscure, but think about it as I read it. Uh, they had everything, they cite the words, they had everything in common, which is not actually in the gospel. Mm. But it does refer to the fact that we are not owners, we possessors of our goods. Everything the true Christian has is to be regarded as a good possessed in common with everyone else. All Christians should be ready and eager to come to the help of the needy and of their neighbors in want. And, and uh, paragraph twenty one thirteen talks about idolatry, which seems odd with this gospel. But as you read it, it I, I can see some of the sense of it. Mm-hmm idolatry not only refers to false pagan worship it remains a constant temptation to faith idolatry consists in divinizing what is not god Mm -hmm. man commits idolatry whenever he honors and reverse reveres a creature in place of god whether this be gods or demons for example satanism could be power, could be pleasure, race, ancestors, money, etc. Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, Many martyrs died for not adoring, in quotes, the beast, refusing even to simulate such worship. Mm. Idolatry rejects the unique lordship of God. It is therefore incompatible with communion with God. And then the final paragraph in the... um, on this subject in the catechism, uh, gets into an economic theory. Mm-hmm. 20 That's uh, paragraph 2424. It says, A theory that makes profit the exclusive norm and ultimate end of economic activity is morally unacceptable. The disordered desire for money cannot but produce perverse effects. Um And the Magnificat has a good quote from Pope Benedict Mm. on on the Declaration of the Lord where he says you cannot um, worship God and mammon. He says, Life is truly a choice between honesty and dishonesty, between fidelity and infidelity, Mm. between selfishness and altruism, between good and evil. And that's all the catechism has to say on it. Um, what What's your reaction to that? And then I'll tell you what Monsignor Charles Pope, I don't know if you're familiar with him.
0: Oh, I am, yeah.
1: Yeah, he had a, a very good uh, reflection on it in the National Catholic Register.
0: Right. Uh, you know, like I said... Uh, Early on, especially when, mm. when I first returned to uh, to Christianity in general, this mm. parable was definitely off-putting, but not off-putting yeah. <laughs> because uh, Jesus made a mistake, off-putting because this seems like, again, Jesus is condoning dishonesty. It was yeah. only until I went into the historical context of the job of stewards during the uh-huh. time of Jesus that I understood what was really going on. Uh, stewards were not like slaves and and. Uh, slaves were typically quote-unquote owned by the family. Right. Servants were hired. Stewards were heads of the servants. So they were also hired men. Right. They, and, and by the time a person reaches this position of stewardship, they have other means of income and, and this is either a side income or some kind of means of primary income. But, but mm. these were people who were slightly well-off compared to other servants.
1: Ah, right.
0: And yeah. one of the ways they made their money was on these promissory notes of how much a person owes their master. If uh-huh. the person owes fifty, the steward could mark it up to say eighty or a hundred because that would be his commission. For, uh, for th-
1: with th- that's with the knowledge of the of the boss, the owner,
0: huh? Right, right, right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, okay. And and most most owners typically allowed for their servants to do this because that was the job of a steward. They handled uh-huh. the finances and the dealings. So they were owed. Th- this was yeah. how they were paid. They were they were owed this. So ah, right. when, when the steward was saying, okay, uh, sit down quickly, write, da- write down 50, sit down quickly, write down 80, mm. what what he was really doing was eating into the commission that was owed to him because he knew ah. he was going to lose that job. And he would much... That, lo- yeah, yeah, go ahead, sorry.
1: No, no, that really... Go ahead. It explains it a, a lot more when you learn that history of it.
0: Right. Be- and, and the thing is, because he knew he was going to lose that job, he was hoping that one, once he does this, he earns the favor of the, credit, of the lenders of his master, mm-hmm. and hopefully one of them will have a position for him to continue in stewardship.
1: Ah. hmm
0: So, so, so that, that's what's going on historically, at the very least, a kind of biblical historical criticism of, of the text. And, and that, that helped me gain insight. So in you know, considering yeah, what Pope Benedict said. Yeah, excellent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. take
0: us through what Monsignor Pope says about this. Okay.
1: He says... Um, He goes reiterating that, that before God, we own nothing. Uh, And then Monsignor Pope says, part of the essence of sin is behaving as though we were the owner. That's a very interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Monsignor picks up on the line about the steward squandering his property and likens it to our action of misusing our gifts for sinful ends. For instance... In gossip, we misuse the gift of speech, or in laziness, we misuse the gift of time. Mm -hmm. Like the steward, someday we will all be called to account as to how we used our gifts. So then why does our Lord have the master commending the dishonest steward for acting shrewdly? Well, Monsignor Pope, um, he likens this to those holding down a secular job, Mm -hmm. By disciplining oneself, get up early, go to work, go the extra mile to please the boss, pleasing man, but not the extra mile to please God. Monsignor Pope says the spiritually minded should show the same intensity, organization, dedication, and craftiness that the worldly show in their pursuits. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And then... Uh, Monsignor explains what I find the most puzzling statement of all. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And so the Lord tells how the dishonest steward used the money at his disposal to make friends who would help him in the next stage of his life. Right. Then the Monsignor asked the question, how about us? Are we willing to use our money and resources to bless and make friends of others? Right. Especially the poor, so that they can testify on our behalf. Yeah, pearly gates.
0: Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Peggy. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Alcresta. Stay tuned for continued Conversations of Consequence.